Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah. He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tons of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You mean forced? Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I am George. Welcome, George. We've got another great interview this week. This week, we're joined by Justin Coulson, or Dr. Justin Coulson. He's one of Australia's most respected relationship speakers, authors, and researchers. And we're talking to him a lot today about what makes kids th- uh, thrive. We're going to talk about the 10 things every parent needs to know. And I know I, for one, with two little kids, am looking forward to this. I know you've got lots of great questions ready to go. Um, but Justin has worked with Many top companies all around Australia and all around the world. He's an honorary fellow at the Centre for Positive Psychology, um, which has been a really popular topic at the moment, positive psychology, and a really important one. He writes weekly parenting advice in uh, Sydney's Daily Telegraph. He's been on the Today Show. He writes for kidspot.com.au. He's all over the place sharing this great information, and I look forward to chatting to him today. Welcome to the show, Justin. Great to talk to you, Brett. Can I just, as of today, I've just got news that I'm going to be published in the New York Times as well. So it's no hey. longer just Sydney's Daily Telly, it's the New York Times. Well, hey, that's that's a big one. That's great. Well, it's good timing yes. then. We've got, uh, obviously, George has come on board the show in the last couple of months and uh, introducing us to a whole new uh, American audience. So they'll be loving that. They'll be able to get hold of you um, in the New York Times as well. And obviously, people will probably get hold of that all over the world. So that's exciting. Um, Justin, let's talk a bit about you and your your passion for relationships and also your passion for raising healthy children. How did you get into this sphere and, and why are you so passionate about it? 
It's, it's 2002. I'm in my late 20s. My wife and I are the parents of two daughters, and I'm a radio announcer for one of the biggest radio stations in the country. So my job is to be on the radio and make everyone feel good, and I'm pretty good at my job. You know, I get to hang out with global superstars and celebrities that are passing through, um, you know, backstage passes and in-studio interviews and fancy restaurants and all that kind of thing. That was great. But then I would go home after being competent and excellent at my job all day, and I was um, met by a three-nager who I just didn't know how to deal with. I mean, three-year-olds, three-year-olds are tough. Everyone talks about the terrible twos, but three is the new two. It's so, so challenging. And I, I was kind of just a pretty clueless dad. I mean, I just sort of thought that I would tell my kids what to do and they would do it. And then I had this three-year-old who wasn't like that. Uh, after a couple of particularly unhappy episodes with her where I just I uh, lost the plot, I, I behaved. Well, I mean, she's a toddler, right, and she's behaving like a toddler, but I behaved like a toddler as well. The only problem with that is I'm an adult. I'm supposed to behave like an adult. Um, after a couple of really poor behavioural incidences on my part where I treated her badly, I smacked, I yelled, I threatened, I... I just behaved so badly. I remember one day, in fact, I uh, I lost the plot. It, it just went so badly. Uh, and, and when the whole sort of situation had died down and she'd gone to sleep in her room, uh, it was all about, you know, she needed to go to sleep for her afternoon nap and I couldn't get her to do that. Uh, once she finally had gone to sleep and the blow up was over, I stepped out into the backyard and I actually, I heard a dad and his toddler across the street and down the way somewhere, almost like they were replaying what I'd just been through with my child. And as I heard it, I thought, oh, my goodness, is that what I've just done? Is that what it just sounded like? Is that who I've become? Uh, so I, I had a couple of very important conversations with my wife, Kylie, and uh, I, I gave up my radio career. I said goodbye to the fame and the fortune and the backstage passes and the free entertainment and all the good stuff. I said goodbye to the status and celebrity and the money. And I went back to uni. I went back to school. I spent eight and a half years full time as a student. And in that time, we went from having two daughters to three daughters and then four daughters. I finished my PhD and we just had our fifth daughter. Um, and I worked as an academic for a couple of years, started writing books, started giving talks, ended up leaving academia, and now I'm a full-time author and speaker. And uh, a couple of years ago, we had our sixth daughter, um, author of four books. I think we've sold, I don't know, 50,000 copies of the books now, and um, I, I give talks all around the country and from time to time internationally as well uh, about how to make our relationships better and particularly how to make our families happier not not that they're not happy but how to make them happier wow that is absolutely so i'm still hung up on six daughters right now. <laughs> but let, let me be really clear about this george um we we weren't trying for a son we just really you know we wanted to have kids and and yes we do have a tv everyone wants to know do you have a tv we we have a tv but we don't have a lot of time to watch it and we've got no. more exciting things to do yeah, I just I, I mean it's amazing. Like I would rather I would I would rather learn from no one else than you because I have a 17-month-old son that I feel like is already the boss. Um <laughs> and I've learned more about myself and my immaturity in the last <laughs> 17 months <laughs> than I have in my whole life. And then I'm I'm unique as well. You know, Brett and I both have kids and I also have a 13-year-old bonus daughter as well. So, um you know, I've been navigating the waters. I've been a parent from 8 to 13 and now I'm starting 
backwards. Like I did that first and now I'm going back to the beginning. So uh, I admire you, sir. I admire you. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. I've I got to tell you, uh, you, you said something a moment ago, George, and, and I think that it bears repeating and emphasizing parenting is not about children. It's about parents. Uh, if it was if it was about children, we'd call it childrening. But but it's about you, George. It's about you, Brett. It's about me, Justin, and and the kind of person that I'm going to be, as I have this um, this stewardship, this responsibility to care for a breathtakingly vulnerable human being that I have co-created and brought into this world. God, that is such a like an amazing distinction. Um, honestly, uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody put that so eloquently. And I'd love to actually just have you unwrap that a little bit, because for me, I thought like, okay, I've done this with an eight year old. I've gotten her, you know, to like 12. And then I have this baby come in the world. And, um, you know, my whole world changed. My wife ended up having an emergency C-section. So I had to like reinvent myself. And so there were a lot of lessons and a lot of things from patience to understanding to even giving myself permission to be overwhelmed or, or have it be okay with everything that came up. But like, do you have any tips for, you know, parents in that, because I know this is about, you know, relationships across the board and you have all this experience and knowledge, plus you have six daughters of your own, you know, do you have any advice for like the new parents or, you know, parents of toddlers or like that, you know, focused on that idea of parenting, not childrening? Yeah, uh, I, I think this comes down to life philosophy a little bit. Uh, you know, what do you really think life is for? If, if you think life is all about rainbows and unicorns and cupcakes and being happy, uh, then parenting will be guaranteed to be disappointing. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you think about Amen. it. From, Amen. If, yeah. when, I, when I was doing my PhD studies, I, I was astounded to discover that, I, I mean, I, I knew that I wasn't happy as a parent. I was struggling as a parent, but I thought that I was a, a, an, an anomaly. I thought I was the unique one. Because every, you know, the parenting magazines, you've got these parents who are, they're laying in bed and the sun's shining through the window and the lace curtains are billowing gently and the children are running into the room and their hair's been blow dried and their teeth are squeaky, shiny, clean. And um, they're, they're saying something like, mother, father, we've prepared breakfast for you as a special treat this morning. Why don't you stay in bed? We'll bring it to you. And if you've been a parent for more than a couple of minutes, you know that parenting is about dealing with really hard stuff. Uh, when the kids are born, they don't sleep or they have some sort of an illness or, uh, you know, mums have mastitis or, or some other physical challenge beyond just having had a baby. Uh, and, and then the kids sort of grow up a little bit and they won't eat. You know, you try to feed them breakfast and it's got to be in the red bowl with the blue spoon and uh, mum's got to feed. No, dad's got to feed. No, I want, you know, it, it, and then and then they get old enough to go to school and they start getting bullied or you find out that they've got a learning disorder or they can't make friends or uh, and it just it gets harder and harder. And then they become teenagers. And, you know, I mean, you, you've got this you've got this teenager right now who you're co-parenting and, and raising. And it's like. Where, where did my where did my beautiful daughter or stepdaughter go? Where did this child that I loved go? Because this one is not the one that I thought uh, that, that was my child or it was the child I was responsible for. Uh, research shows that our happiness declines when we're parents until the kids turn about 16, at which point it hits rock bottom. <laughs> Give you something to look forward to. And, but then we start to get happier again as the kids mature and, and grow up. So 
what's your life philosophy? That's the ultimate question here, because if you've got this idea that being a parent is going to make you happy, you'll be disappointed. But if you believe that life is about becoming the best version of you that you can, what you'll discover is that parenting will give you tremendous peaks, extraordinary valleys, and at the end of all of that, you'll look back on your parenting experiences and derive so much personal meaning from them that it can't do anything except make you feel a wonderful sense of satisfaction and yes, even happiness <laughs> because of the way because of the way parenting has refined and defined you. Um Justin, I love this. And I love this distinction you said, you know, once again between parenting and childrening, because, you know, I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think often the the challenge that parents have and, and the, the you know the unhappiness people can have as a result of being a parent, I think often it's because they're wanting their children to behave in a certain way. You know, they're, they're trying to get their children to act and do certain things. Uh, whereas I think what you're saying is that the focus of a parent needs to be on on the way that you parent, not on the way they act as children. And it's about you know, if you focus instead of focusing on your children and what they're doing, if you put that focus onto yourself and what you're doing and, and control what you can control, which is really just creating a great environment for your children, um, then that's probably, I would think, more ha- more likely to lead you to A, good results and, and B, to a happier experience rather than expecting someone else to change. Yeah, really nice insights, Brett. I, I think that um, it, you know a lot of people will hear what we're talking about and they'll say, yeah, yeah, come on, what about old school parenting? Children should be seen and not heard. Kids have just got to do as they're told. It's my way or the highway. They've got to have boundaries. They've got to have limits. I want to be really clear that in no way am I suggesting that kids should rule the roost. I'm not I'm not an advocate of saying child-centered parenting is the way of the future, especially when the child literally, you know, becomes the boss baby, as George said. You know, you've got the 17-month-old <laughs> who's now in charge of the house. That doesn't work for anyone, and that's not good for anyone. But when there's a when there's a discipline challenge, when there's a behavior challenge, when a child is behaving in a in a way that we find inappropriate, I think that it's nice if we can look at the situation and say. Number one, I need some perspective about this. People don't behave in challenging, lousy ways unless there's a good reason for it. We're motivated to make things right in our lives. And so if a child's behaving in a difficult way, what's going on? Are they hungry? Are they upset about something? Are they angry? Are they, are they lonely and feeling disconnected from the people around them? Are they just tired and needing some rest? Are they stressed about something? So I always remember, you know, a German policeman says halt, H-A-L-T, add an S because he halts you and you've got hungry, angry, lonely, tired and stressed. You look at a situation with a child who's acting out and you say, well, any of those five things, maybe if I just create a better connection, maybe if I give them a little bit of food, maybe if I help them to have some downtime, that might do something straight away. The other question that I think is very important to ask is this. My child's behaving in a challenging way. What do I want them to take from our next interaction? Do I want them to see me as the police or do do I want them to see me as somebody who helps rather than hurts? And, and, And my recommendation is that when we engage with children who are being challenging, that we do so in a way that says, I'm here to help you, not hurt you. Let's explore what's going on. Let's figure it out together and let's make a positive way forward together. 
I think that is so, so phenomenal. And, you know, it's one of the things my wife, my wife has a background in hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming. So I've been trained properly on how to be a parent. Um, and it's quite helpful, to be honest, to have a sounding board. And, you know, some of the distinctions that I made, um, you know, that helped me and, and I would love your your input on this is, you know, one of the biggest challenges for me when I came in as a, as a step parent, we use the word bonus here because we just think it sounds amazing. And my daughter's dad is an awesome dude as well. So we like the word bonus. Um but, you know, I came in and, and I came into like pre-attitude and I used to take so many things personally and I used to be like, you know, where am I missing the mark and what am I doing that's creating this? And and actually what it was doing, it was changing my energy and it was changing the way that I responded. It was changing the way that I looked at situations and, you know, they weren't empowering solutions. And so it's taken a lot of concerted effort, you know, to ask myself, like, is what about to come out of my mouth or is how I'm about to parent going to leave my daughter or my son feeling empowered, feeling powerful, feeling decisive so that they can realize that they're in control of their choices. And so I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on that one as well, because I feel like I don't hear about it a lot. You know, we make jokes online. We see these viral videos on social media of like moms drinking wine and dads being stressed. But like, you know, there's been times where I'm you know, I feel like I'm at my rope's end and, and all I need is a, a moment to breathe and be like, you know, what's the effect of this and how can I show up selflessly in this moment to make it a win-win for my kids, for my family, for my wife and for myself? So many different ways that we could go from that comment, George. Look, <laughs> there's there's <laughs> the an best quote that says something like, um, we, uh, we, we squeeze an orange and we get what's on the inside. You know, what's on the inside of the orange comes out when you squeeze it. When you and I are squeezed what's inside us comes out as well. And so we want to make sure that we're providing something a whole lot sweeter um, th th than what often comes out. Uh, um, all too often we squeeze and out comes all of this horrible, toxic, awful stuff. I know that this is the paleo show, so this is this is a good opportunity to sort of to, to highlight that. Um, what, what goes into us is what comes out of us. And so if we're asking ourselves those questions like, how can I help rather than hurt or what kind of parent do I want to be or how can I channel uh, my inner best parent or, you know, what would I do if Justin was in the room watching me or how would I respond if this was somebody else's child? Because, you know, you can't get angry at other people's ch children the way you do your own. These are all the little, <laughs> the little devices that we can use to help us to respond with kindness and compassion to our kids. Ultimately, though, if we are massively stressed, if we are overstretched, if we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, you know, that kind of stuff, we're probably not going to be at our best as parents. So there's an element of we've got to we've got to make sure that we can take a few deep breaths, recalibrate and ask ourselves those ask ourselves those questions in order to best deal with things. You, you know, I also want to make a, a quick point. I know, Brett, your kids are young and George, you've identified that you've got a 17 month old. I have a philosophy that gets me in a lot of trouble with a bunch of people, but the longer I've studied child development and particularly looked at infants and the longer I've been involved with parenting generally, the more convinced I am that this is an appropriate thing to say. A lot of parents just think that, you know, your kids have got to get into trouble. They do the wrong thing. You've got to get them in trouble. You've got to correct them. You've got to uh, fix them. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but people don't like being fixed. They, they might like it, Brett, if you're doing some physical therapy with them. They want to get their body fixed. But when it comes to their personality, 
while we can all think of different ways that we might fix a spouse or partner or a child, whenever we try to fix somebody, they resist. Force, force really does create resistance. Uh, when, when you've got kids that are under about the age of two to three, I actually recommend never, ever getting them in trouble at all. Now, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that we don't set limits with them and for them, but I don't think that a two-year-old needs to get in trouble. What a two-year-old needs is love and patience and redirection. And what's really interesting is as we, as we respond to all of our children, whether they're 17 months or 17 years or anywhere in between, with love, kindness, and compassion, as we take that breath, as we go to them and humbly say things like, it seems like you're having a hard time. I'm here to help. What do you need? It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to give them everything that they say that they need. <laughs> I just need a car, Dad. Well, sorry, you're not getting a car. But, you know, or I just need this or I need that. No. Uh, but, but what do you need psychologically and emotionally? What can I do to be here for you? When we do that, we actually teach them to regulate their behavior, to regulate their emotions, to regulate their social interactions, to be calmer and kinder with others. It's a, it's a way of being. And once again, to go back full circle to where we began, parenting is about the parent. What's interesting is when we get this stuff right, our children are far likelier to grow up and follow that example and become the kind of people that we're trying to be. Yeah, I love this, Justin. I love this so much, and and it's uh, it fits in so well with you know I, I wrote a book called Nourish Without Nagging, which is all about how to get your kids to love to eat healthily, you know. And so the whole concept of the book was rather than me nagging my kids about what I think they should be eating, was helping to create an environment where they could make great choices around what they wanted to be eating. Um, and I think this kind of fits into this discussion we're having because a lot of the stuff I talk about in the book was around what I would call truth and consequences, you know. So, so rather than me saying to my kids, you must eat whatever food, I would say to them, well, look, you can eat whatever food you like. And if you eat this food, then these are the likely consequences. If you eat that food, then that's the likely consequences. And and making sure I tied it into things that they cared about, not necessarily things that I cared about. Uh, but, but allowing your kids to, I guess, make the choices for themselves and to learn the lessons for themselves rather than trying to do it for them and, and to tell them what they needed to do, but allowing them to learn how to learn as they go through their life. Yeah, great stuff. I've, I've got a, um, in 10 things every parent needs to know, I've got a, a model that I walk parents through. It's, it's basically called the three E's of effective discipline. Now, it doesn't just apply to discipline with kids. It applies to any uh, challenging situation that you might have interpersonally. Uh, so so as, you, as you sort of listen to these three E's, don't, don't just narrow it down to kids only. Um, the first E is explain. As a parent, we have a duty to socialize our kids. Uh, we need to bring them up so that they understand right from wrong and so that they can make good decisions. So explain is all about saying exactly what you've just said, Brett. Here's where I'm coming from and this is why. This is the limit or this is the this is the outcome or this is the direction that I'd like you to go and these are the reasons why. Explain's all about just saying, here's my position. Now, sometimes kids kind of get a bit bored listening to us. It's like, blah, blah, blah. You're always trying to teach me stuff. You always talk. This is so boring. And so I find that it can also be useful to say to my kids, why don't you explain to me why we have that rule? You know, why don't you explain to me why we're giving you a, a plate full of colorful food? Why don't you explain to me why we treat our siblings kindly rather than smacking them in the face? Um, you know, why don't you explain that to me? Once their mouth is moving, 
their brain works a lot harder yeah. than when they just listen to us while our mouth moves. So the first E is explain. The second E is explore. And this is where we take their perspective. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. What's going on in your life? Are you having problems at school? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed? You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Let me explore how you're seeing things. And then the third E is empower. And that's where we say, all right, well, you get where I am coming from. I get where you're coming from. So what do we do? How do we fix this? Where do we go from here? I'll, I'll give you a really quick, fun example of this. Um, one of my kids, I, so I've got, um, my, my children are aged from four through to 18. I have a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old. And um, one of the teenagers came to me and said, dad, 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 I really want to get Snapchat. I'm the only kid in my grade that doesn't have Snapchat. Everyone's got Snapchat except me. It's so unfair. I just want Snapchat. And I said, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up with me. Let's have a chat about it. Let's, let, let me explain a little bit about why you don't have Snapchat at this point. So I shared a couple of things with her and I could see her doing the eye roll and I could see her brain switching <laughs> off. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you explain to me what you understand my position to be? And her brain started going again. She said, you don't want me to have it because of this, this and this. I said, hey, spot on. You got it. So we're done with explain. And then I said, well, let's explore. Let me, uh, let me understand why you want it so badly. So she, so much. And at the end of that, I said, well, you know what? I hear what you're saying. But as your dad, I'm just not that keen for you to have it. I don't think that your reasons for wanting it are as good as my reasons for keeping you off it. And she kind of went, oh, you're not understanding me, dad. You're not listening to me properly. I said, are you saying that we need to do explore some more? And she looked at me and smiled. She's been to my workshops. She knows exactly <laughs> what's going on here. And so she says, yes, Dad, you haven't fully explored. You understand intellectually, but you don't understand in your heart. You're not getting it emotionally. I said, all right, help me to understand. Tell me some more about why you need it so badly. She was quiet for a minute. And then she says to me, Dad, I've got an analogy for you. It's like a metaphor. She says, you telling me that I can't be on Snapchat. I just have to stay on Facebook. Is like telling me that I have to go play in the park while all my friends are playing at the beach. And I looked at her and I said, hey, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I said, but here's the thing. What I'm also saying to you is that there's a reason for that. Because at the beach, there's sweeps and currents and rips and there's um, sharks in the water and big waves and there's needles in the sand and there's uh, sun. You'll get sunburned. You know, it's a dangerous place to be. And she, she was so funny. She looked at me and she thought about it for a second. And then she said, hey, Dad. Oh, and I, and I also mentioned all the perverts at the beach as well. She, she said, hey, Dad, have, um, have you been to the park lately? And I was like, <laughs> wow, that was good. Okay, so Facebook, you know, the, the, she, she just did such a wonderful, wonderful job of explaining it to me. And it really opened my eyes. And I said, I think I really see what you're saying. So where do we go from here? How do we make it that? If we were to give you Snapchat, how could it work in a way that I could feel good about it? And we had a great conversation. She came up with a bunch of ways that we could do that. And at the end of the day, she actually did end up with Snapchat. Now, sometimes I'll say no. Uh, sometimes, no matter how hard one of my kids tries, the answer will still be no. But in that case, she did such a great job and she got Snapchat with certain conditions and, and so on. So I think to, to answer your question, Brett, or to respond to your statement about your book and the whole eating thing, when we really lay it out there for them, when we really explain it clearly, yeah. and when we pause and really understand things from their perspective, it's so much easier for us to empower them 
to make good decisions, and they usually do. The other, the other fascinating thing here is that if we do this process carefully and intentionally and we take our time, remember uh, Stephen Covey said, fast is slow, but slow is fast. So if we take our time, what happens is sometimes as a parent, we'll say, you know what? My answer is still no. But the children are going to be so much more accepting of us establishing that limit, and they will be because we've been through that process with them where they really do understand. They may not like it, but they do get it. That's amazing. I want to recap. What were the four E's again? It was explain, explore, empower. What was the other one? Yeah, so it was, it was just three E's, but now that you've brought up a fourth one, what, what I would add is that <laughs> empathy empathy could be the fourth E because this whole conversation is really about standing in, one other, standing in one another's shoes, seeing the world through one another's eyes, and really understanding how it is for the other person. So as we explain, as we explore, and as we empower, we do so under a blanket of empathy. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's okay. Like mic drop. That's, I'm, I'm literally going to leave here and I'm going to write these down on a sticky note and I'm going to put them on my computer. And when I'm home and with my wife and with my children and with my employees and with everybody, I'm going to use these across the board anyways. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those. I'm so glad you like it. Thank you. So I have a question too. Now I want to know because you're a dad of six daughters. <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, there's a lack of testosterone running around. Like you have a lot of interesting things. What's your way? Like how do you uh, manage? Like how do you navigate your day? Because you know you have a lot on your plate. You travel. You're a speaker. I travel. You know I've flown like 110 times in the last eight months. Like I'm constantly on the road. I'm constantly away from my family. How do you navigate those waters? Like, how do you give yourself the space to like decompress and so you can be present with your family? And then also how, when you return from a trip or do you do this, like, how do you show up to be present for your family to have empathy and, and kind of navigate those waters? I'm kind of looking for a little guidance here. Well, the first thing I need to do is um, perhaps take a leaf out of Brene Brown's book and and, and confess I'm, I'm not perfect. Uh, I, I don't hold myself up as a model of perfect parenting and I, I really do struggle from time to time every now and again i walk into the living room and i blow up i lose the plot i just like ah for goodness sakes you kids know better this is driving me insane at which point their eyes pop open and they say "Ah, you're a parenting expert you can't say that and (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they do sometimes they don't Uh, but but uh, you know i i I go to them fairly quickly cap in hand and apologize and 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 make things right look i let, let me walk you through a standard kind of um, a standard kind of day for, for for my family. I wake up around about four thirty most mornings, uh, and I'll go and do about fifty or sixty k's on my push bike. I'm home for around about six twenty six thirty. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what that is in miles. I think it's about forty miles or thereabouts 30, 38, 40 miles, um, sixty kilometres. So I, I try and get about fifty to sixty k's in each morning. I get home, wake the kids up for school about 10 minutes earlier than they need to get up. Now, the night before, they've prepared everything for the morning. So they've filled in a little menu that says what they want for breakfast, just like in the hotel. They've filled in a little menu for what they want for lunch at school because in Australia, I'm not sure what it's like where you are, George, in the United States, but I know that a lot of schools provide food uh, or have you know have the canteen or whatever it might be. In Australia, most kids take their, kids, their, their lunch to school. I so wouldn't call it food, but they have something. Right. Okay. Uh, 
So, so our kids fill in a little menu for both breakfast and lunch. Their uniforms are laid out. Their shoes are prepared. Their bags are ready to go. We do that in the evenings because it makes our mornings so much simpler. So the kids get up. Uh, they stumble out of their bedrooms. We have 15 minutes together as a family where we memorize quotes or poems, where we uh, focus on values that matter to us, where we talk about what our family's purpose and mission is. You know, we talk about... Uh, the family constitution, I guess, the Coulson constitution, um, and make sure that we know what everyone's doing for the day. So we have a 15-minute wake-up uh, you know, preparation for the day, and then the kids just follow their menu. They prepare their breakfasts. We've spent time teaching them how to get their eggs ready or how to you know, do whatever they need to do. Uh, we, we guide them gently through the morning. If they look lost or bewildered, we'll ask them what's next on their lists and guide them back into the kitchen or back into their bedroom. We might make something for them to help. Then I do the school run while my wife goes and has her bike ride. Uh, and then it's in the office and, and absolutely slogging away. Or it's, you know, off to the airport and on an airplane or whatever it might be. In the afternoon, we pick the kids up from school. We have an early dinner and we are big on eating really nutritious, fresh foods. So my wife, we're fortunate that she's able to be at home most days. Uh, and she really works hard to make sure that our family eats well. And then in the evenings, we absolutely commit to having family time. We play some card games, we read stories, we talk about the day, we talk about things that we're grateful for or what we did that was hard. Uh, we, we pick out a value that really matters to us. Who did I help today? What was I, when was I kind when it would have been easier to be angry and, and nasty? Um, what did I accomplish at school? So we, we really talk to them about the stuff that matters in life. Uh, we ask them what they're looking forward to. And then we put them to bed. So that's the perfect day when when I'm home. When I'm away, we just um, we do our best to stick with the routine, even if I'm away. My wife is extraordinary in what she does with six kids while I'm gone, um, and, and that's just the the juggle that we do. Uh, Justin, I love the sound of that day, and I guess the thing that really stands out when you talk about it is the degree of purpose that comes through in your day, and also the degree of preparation that comes through in your day. And I think you know those two things obviously are really allowing you to have um, you know a really meaningful day and a really meaningful experience with your family. So. Uh, well done from me because I, I think you're uh, you're a few notches certainly above what we're doing at our household and, and I tend to think we do okay but but that's uh, that just sounds like an amazing day so well done. I, I, I want I, I, if if I may just quickly jump in, you've just I, I want to unpack what you've just said because it's so critical and and I think that this is the secret to making our families happier. We need to know what we're on about. You don't get in the car and go for a drive just to sort of see where you end up. It's, it's not what we do. We get in the car with a purpose and we drive to our destination. Uh, we make a plan for our business. We make a plan for our education. We make plans for what we're going to eat. We make plans for so much stuff and yet we don't have family plans. We don't know what our family is about or where, what, what the ultimate destination is for our family. And, and, and having that purpose is, is so, so important. But the second thing that you said as well is preparation. Preparation is the key to success, no matter what you're doing. And we spend our lives preparing for various things, and yet we don't prepare for our families. They're the most imp I, I love the quote. I, I, I read it on Pinterest or somewhere a while back, and it's been around for a long time. No other success can compensate for failure in the home. 
no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And so my, my question, and my wife and I discuss this regularly, is how can we be prepared to help our children and our family succeed. And that's why we've, I mean, we've spent years trying to perfect our mornings and our evenings. We've spent so long working on our Saturday. So we have Super Saturday. Every Saturday, we make sure that there's at least two to three hours of absolutely committed family time with no interruptions where we're doing something that's low cost or no cost, but we're together as a family. It might be a swim at the beach, or it might be a bike ride along the river, along the bike path, or it could just be a couple of hours in the park having a picnic or hiking up a mountain. But we make sure that we commit to that every single week because we absolutely prepare it. Like we have a Sunday meeting and we prepare our week and we talk about, you know, what are we going to do this Saturday? And what are we going to do on that particular night? And when's our date night? And are we spending it together or are we going to catch up with another couple? It's the preparation that allows us to have a seamless morning or a um, an excellent evening or a great date night or a fabulous super Saturday. Yeah, I, I love Pur- that. Purpose and preparation. I love that, Justin. We we are out of time, but but that was worth uh, going over time to hear because it's it's fantastic what you're doing, and you've given us all something to aspire to. I think so. Thank you so much for coming on board today. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to have a chat. And yeah, uh, thanks for answering my questions. And and everyone's going to want to find out more about you, Justin. So obviously they can head to your website, which is justincoulson.com, and and it's, so it's J U S T I N. C-O-U-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, they can find you on Facebook at Happy Families, on Instagram at Dr. Justin Coulson, on Twitter at Dr. Justin Coulson, and on LinkedIn at Dr. Justin Coulson. They can find you everywhere, which is great. And also, <laughs> uh, if people want to find out more about it and get some more great parenting advice from you, uh, they can get your program, which is called Nine Ways to a Resilient Child. Now, usually $189. If they use the code that Palio Show, they get 50% off. So, that's an awesome one for people to get hold of if they, you know, if they've loved this information and they want to try and implement some of this stuff into their home. Then nine ways to a resilient child would be a great way to do it. So, thank you so much, mate. Um, for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on that paleo show. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. I realized in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people. I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources. So I had to give that to myself. Yanni says, I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world. He says, I'm going to prepare food. I love my own cheese. I love my own wine. I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV. He just loves company. I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question, isn't it? But when you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Austin Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.